Hey everybody, before we get into the show, I wanted to let you know we've got another live show coming up. We will be back at Maya Cinemas on Thursday, May 23rd for Furiosa, the latest in the Mad Max series. We are so excited for this one. Joining me to talk about it, we've got Sam Novak, Shahab Zargari, and Tony Gonzalez. A great lineup. It's going to be an awesome movie. We are so excited to talk about it. So make sure to check the show notes. There are opportunities to win tickets. You could also buy tickets. And we hope to see you there Thursday, May 23rd, 6 p.m. at Maya Cinemas for Furiosa. Alright, welcome to another episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it. And yes, that was a new theme because yes, it is the beginning of year five of Piecing It Together. Thank you so much to everyone who's out there listening and everyone who's been with me this whole ride. Uh, I hope you continue to enjoy the show and to all the new listeners, I hope you like what you hear. So, uh, lots planned for this new year. I'm I'm hoping to do some new things. I'm hoping to continue doing all the old things that we do. Just make sure you're subscribed and you'll find out about all of it. You could also follow us over on social media, of course, at PiecingPod. And don't forget about our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces, where we continue the conversation about all the movies we talk about here on the show. We have a lot of fun over there. Uh, if you are still on Facebook, I don't know why you would be, but I am for some reason. And... Uh, you should join our group and talk movies with us. A really fun group of people, and I keep it closed. It's a private group. That way, you know, we can keep all the trolls out and keep it a fun place to talk about movies. So, again, that's Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces over on Facebook. Join our group and talk movies with us. So, speaking of movies, we're going to talk about a movie, and today it's one of the biggest releases of 2022. It is The Batman. And joining me, we have... A rogues gallery of guests coming up here. We have Robert Yanis Jr. from The Crooked Table, Rosa Para from Latinx Lens, Brian Scuttle from Sonic Cinema, Josh Rayner from Merck with a Movie Blog, Joshua Hatcher from The Movie Court, and Chad Clinton Freeman straight from Arkham Asylum. So, a great group of people all here to talk about the batman we got a couple of puzzle pieces each and we have a nice long conversation about what is quite frankly a long movie but uh yeah we will talk about all of what works and all of what doesn't work in this new iteration of the batman from director matt reeves and of course starring robert pattinson as the batman so let's get to that conversation right now All right, we got Robert Yannis Jr. back with us to talk about The Batman. Robert, how's it going? It's going good. Thanks for having me back, David. This is going to be a fun one to talk about, you know, doing this whole super episode, talking to a whole bunch of people, getting a lot of different takes on The Batman. I mean, this is probably the most anticipated movie of the year for a lot of people. Are you a big Batman fan? I am. I am a big Batman fan. I have yeah. a Funko of the Michael Keaton one sitting over here nice. on my desk. Um, nice. Because that was air quotes my Batman. I know I don't even know. I, I feel like that's just the blanket term now people use for when it's the one you grew up with. I wouldn't necessarily say Keaton was 
the best Batman because it's so subjective. But mm. uh, but yeah, so I've been I've like died in the wool, you know, whatever the phrase is, Batman fan from way back when. I think I was six when I like I think I saw it in theaters, the original yeah. Tim Burton. At a much too young of an age, but uh, but yes, <laughs> sure, very much so in the bag for all of this stuff. But then that's the funny thing with this one. I was still sort of skeptical going in just because mm. of all the marketing and everything. It felt very Nolan-y to me. Sure, yeah. And uh, we'll talk about in you know in a second. I'm sure how it's it is that, but it's not that. You know what I mean? Right. Like it, it. I feel like I wasn't getting what Matt Reeves was bringing to it to the table to kind of refresh the character in the world or anything like I, it felt very much just an extension of that yeah the the marketing i completely agree leaned very heavily on remember the dark knight trilogy you're, you're gonna you're gonna want to see this guys because what if this was serious though and we're yeah. Like, yeah we've been there for a while <laughs> let's go even darker but uh <laughs> you know and it, and it definitely does go darker but um yeah it, it's it's its own thing i mean matt reeves is such a great filmmaker i mean we we really shouldn't have been surprised uh, that it would be uh, its own thing and have its own vision and all that. I mean, I, I actually, like, a month before this came out, I think, I tweeted something about, like, it's so weird that I'm not, like, super hyped about a new Matt Reeves movie with Robert Pattinson, with right. Paul Dano, with Colin Farrell, with Zoe Kravitz, all these people, uh, you know, just because it's a Batman movie. But, uh, you know, I should have been. You know? <laughs> well, it's it's gotten complicated the last few years. I feel like Batman and Spider-Man have been so saturated that me as as a huge Batman and Spider-Man fan was even like, can we like take a break for a bit with Batman and Spider-Man? It's like so much. Um, yeah, it's been a decade and we've had since we've had uh, Bale and we've already had Affleck several times and, and yeah. Lego Batman and all that. And so. Lego Batman. Can't leave yeah. him out for sure. Exactly. Well, let's get into some puzzle pieces. What do you have for your first piece here? So my first one, I'm, I was telling you right before we started talking here that I'm, I'm taking David Fincher off of the table just because I feel like it's the most obvious one. Like the easiest thing to say here is the Dark Knight trilogy, the previous Batman movies, that kind of thing. And mm. uh, the next thing would be Seven and Zodiac. Those two probably most strongly. But sure. I'm I'm going I'm still staying in the DC family with that. So I felt very I was getting Watchmen vibes from this, okay, in, in a lot of ways. Uh, and I guess I'm speaking specifically in the 2009 Zack, Zack Snyder film. Mm -hmm. I I think that the, some of it is probably just the influence from Zack Snyder having been the last person to really touch this character, from uh, the Watchmen also being a DC slash Vertigo property. But it's also the three-hour runtime. It's mm -hmm. also the the heavy noir influence. I mean, and, sure. and Batman's kind of that way in general. But he literally starts this this thing out with a, a Rorschach style. This is my city, October thirty first. Like, he, yeah. he, there's a scene in the movie where he's documenting the Gotham Project year two, and and it feels like right out of Watchmen, where Rorschach, you know, that's the big twist towards the end, has the journal of everything and sends it to the press of everything that's been going on. So it felt very steeped in that sort of darkness. Um, superheroes trying to exist in a, in a, a kind of a hopeless world. And, and that was just, yeah, yeah, that was just, I was getting lots of more vibes and tone Watchmen than actual content similarities. Sure. Sure. And yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, you know, the thing with, with Snyder is like, you know, love him or hate him. 
his films really do have a big influence on other big blockbuster films that have come since. And, you know, there's so much 300 in, in everything after that there, there's so much of Watchmen and everything that's come after Watchmen. And yeah, so I mean, these, his movies, they really do kind of have like a, a language to them that becomes a part of pop culture and, and big blockbuster filmmaking. So it makes sense that that would rub off. And, you know, to that like noir influence and, and, you know, the darkness and, and all that of, of stuff like Watchmen, there's like a, a line in this movie where they're like talking about the sins of the father. And I'm yes. like, you, you, you've got to <laughs> like, you've got to really believe in what you're making. If you're going to use a line like the sins of the father, like that is so like well, heavy handed and like, you know, but it, it's, it works because they, they are totally committed to it. Absolutely. And that's the one thing, like I, when I was watching this again, having gone in being sort of skeptical, being like, all right, I don't know. We'll see. I love Batman, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. Like I, this needs to feel not like it's just retreading the same ground. My my big thing was it, it feels like a, a Fincher directed episode, a live action episode of the animated series in a way, in that it feels okay, so yeah. lived in. All these characters are sort of already in existence. But I've seen, you know, some critics who are less hot on it. And it's just not necessarily because it was too bleak or whatever, just because it was very stagnant, maybe in its tone. And I think that the big thing is that this movie takes this material so seriously. Like, it's such a reverent take on Batman as the world's greatest detective, as, you know, this dark brooding figure in the shadows and all that, that I can see someone who's not 100% bought into that approach going to this and 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 not not really vibing with it just because it treats that that sort of dark knight returns uh version of batman of which there are a bazillion versions and like it's ridiculous now when people try and argue the definitive batman it's like there is no definitive batman it's impossible yeah. it's spider-man yeah there, you know there's a certain tone and kind of characterization that is who that character is but batman is we were just mentioned lego batman um there and it coexisted like the year after we met batfleck so it's like there's no there's no you know one kind of batman um it 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 treats it like a sacred text it's so not earnest in a way that the dark that batman begins was necessarily but just like look at this look how mythic this is holding all of it up as as this grand mythology and if you're not really if that's not your way into the character i can see you you know, not, not really appreciating this movie in the same way. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that definitely makes sense. So, uh, what do you have for your next piece? So again, kind of leaning into the noir aspect of it, I feel like that's, that's obviously the most prominent difference in this film and what makes it stand out from the Nolans and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So I was going to go with the 1974's Chinatown directed by Roman Polanski uh, starring Jack Nicholson, who has Batman ties of his own, obviously. Oh yeah. But uh, but yeah, so it's a, a private detective uncovering a kind of citywide conspiracy. There's even like a a familial uh you know revelation that happens at one point in Chinatown and in Watchmen for that matter. Uh, that that happens in this film with regards to uh, Selena Kyle and her ties to the criminal underworld. So all of that, like I I was getting Chinatown. It's so funny to me too because. The other piece I have is is another filmmaker from around, another film from around this period, and it's it's very much like a lot of the directors that are speaking about comic book movies and like oh they're they're denigrating cinema etc. Yeah, yeah. Are all the filmmakers that are inspiring comic book movies? It's so weird. It's like Scorsese, and then Joker was obviously a Scorsese 
esque uh, DC comics movie. Yeah. So it's like, I feel like this is so born out of those 1970s sort of crime thrillers uh, and Chinatown being kind of a, a cheap example of that. Yeah, it, it, and that is a great example of something that inspired this movie. But it, it's an overall great point about how the, those are the filmmakers that are like kind of, you know, speaking out against superhero movies becoming the main pop cultural reference of this current moment. But then mm-hmm. that's exactly who is inspiring these new superhero movies. So it, it is a very funny thing. And I don't know what it what it means to the overall picture of, of pop culture. Will these movies be inspiring gritty crime dramas eventually with original, <laughs> original stories? I, I have no idea, but uh, yeah. Well, that's the next iteration of Batman in like 10 years when Pattinson's done. That'll yeah. be the thing. It'll be the same kind of deal. Only they'll get rid of the Batman costume. They'll be back just back to a trench coat and it'll be like full Philip uh, Marlowe sort of coming full circle. Nice. Nice. <laughs> I like it. So uh, what do you have for your next one? You said you have another one that's uh, kind of steep in that I same did. era. So, huh? Exactly. So uh, obviously, you know, Scorsese is one of the main ones to kind of not take game, but like at least sort of share his pr- opinion on Marvel and DC kind of superhero movies. Francis Ford Coppola is another one. And mm. I was getting, especially from the, the John Turturro part of this big Godfather vibes. Sure. sure. Uh, Cause that's the thing of this movie is that, it's on on the surface. It's a superhero movie, but then after the, after beneath that, it's a a film noir detective story, and then beneath that, it's a crime drama. Yeah. Because you have all these different syndicates. You have uh, John Turturro doing his best sort of Michael Corleone uh, impression here. <laughs> uh, you have uh, Colin Farrell in like full on forget about it kind of mode oh, here. Yeah. Uh, all of that, like I I was really intrigued by the level the layers to this movie that it is batman but also a noir but also there's like this kind of grappling for control with dirty cops and and these different mob bosses like who you know and who's going to rise in the ranks and take over their territory and all that so i got very much a sort of godfather vibe from a lot of that yeah yeah and it's funny like i i always because i don't really rewatch a lot of superhero movies at home. Like I usually right. see them opening weekend. I, I have fun and that's the last time I've seen them. And I haven't seen even the classic Batman movies in, in a while. And I was just rewatching Batman returns the other day. And th- there's so much like power struggles and, and, and like government and, and all that stuff. And all these movies, politics, politics, all that. It, it's that, like uh, Pe- penguin runs for mayor, which who knows? Yeah. Maybe we'll see. Colin Farrell trying to do the same. I hope so, because uh, Colin Farrell <laughs> rules in this. But uh, but yeah, no, politics really comes into play in the whole Gotham City thing. And I, I, I guess Gotham is, you know, kind of the most important part of these movies, more so even than Batman himself. Yeah, no, totally. That's the thing. It's Batman is sort of our our entry point, our way into this cesspool that the city has become. Yeah. As I, I think the Riddler essentially says that at one point. I think he does. Uh, so I, you know, I think that's that's the that's the intriguing thing about such a dark take on Batman is that you're taking this person who has literally nothing else going on, especially in this movie. That's been, I think, one of the criticisms some people have had about Pattinson's Bruce Wayne, and he's just like very emo, very detached, very like oh, I don't care, this is dumb, whatever. I don't. He even says I don't care what happens to me uh, yeah. at one point in this movie, and it's like you're following this character through this like wading through this like shit level like place yeah. and and trying to like 
you know, it it's like uh, it's like he's in a sewage system and it's just pouring in and he's like, I'm going to clean this up. It's going to get there. And you're like, well, I'm going to watch you try. We'll see how this goes. Someone someone on Twitter was talking about, like, why would you live in Gotham City? Like the, right. the housing must just be like super cheap. Like what? Why would you can't you stay afford there? to go anywhere else? I yeah. guess. I don't know. <laughs> well, and, and that's the thing they'll probably get into with the sort of crime drama element of it is just like, why would penguin want to be in charge of everything it's like i think you know in a, in a certain in a certain point it's like rather be you know a big fish in a small pond kind of thing mm, yeah, yeah it's that you know you can it, you could be in charge of this place or you can get lost and be a cog in the system somewhere else in metropolis or whatever yeah uh so i, I think that that's probably something they're gonna they're gonna delve a little deeper in, into in the sequel Absolutely. Well, we, we got into a lot of different aspects of this movie. Um, are, are there any other things you wanted to uh, mention about the Batman before we wrap it up? Uh, not not majorly. I mean, like I said, I, I was really into this film and I like I loved it. It did feel to me very different from the Nolan films yeah. in a way, as we said, darker. But it had it had, I think, even a more uh, a more quintessentially Batman plot going on, like we said, with the crime drama and the film noir and detective story and the superhero action and all of that stuff. I like the the way that he's trying to ground everything. I mean, I know that sounds cliche at this point, but I, I you know, we've already had the kind of cartoonish over the top Riddler. It's it's interesting to see what a Zodiac style Riddler looks like. Sure. Uh, I, I did want to point out one thing about this movie that I probably could have done without is the Joker tease. Mm. And that's not because I don't love the Joker, obviously, but we were talking about how Batman and Spider-Man have been done to death. Sure. Joker's another one that like I could do. I could use a little break from Joker. So I hope and Matt Reeves has said as much that that wasn't necessarily a tease for a sequel just to be like, hey, kind of what we were just saying. Batman's fighting a losing battle. Joker is existing in this world already, not as Joker, but he's on his way. And all these characters are sort of evolving. And I think it's. It's uh, if I can throw in sort of a last minute extra bonus piece, it feels also sort of inspired by the TV show Gotham, which again Mm, is, you know, in that in that show, uh, Bruce Wayne is a child who uh, over the course of it sort of evolves into deciding to become Batman. But for the villains, they're all sort of like infancy, you know, they're like not not at the quite quite the level of what they're going to become sure but they're just like proto versions of riddler of joker of catwoman etc so i think that that's another element that reeves sort of borrows from here and i think and i think for the most part it works if 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 you're down for this ultra dark and serious uh take on batman which could have easily been r-rated that's the other thing too yeah kind of like like the nolan movies joker cuts somebody why so serious and it cuts away so you don't you don't see any of the carnage i think this movie cleverly sort of fits in r-rated content in a pg-13 setting yeah it's it's funny like you know i'm i'm all for ultra violence and all that kind of stuff right. in movies i i love it but um the whole ending sequence once uh all of the riddler's followers they start with their whole terrorist act i was like this is uh, kind of disturbing a little bit. Yeah. Like they went yeah. really dark with this. How how realistically violent that all felt, you know, until it gets a little over the top. But like at first, though, it just feels very, very like, oh yeah, this is probably what it would be like if uh, I was in the middle of a terrorist attack. Exactly, exactly. And from my understanding, is that that was one of the only real stipulations Warner Brothers put on Matt Reeves is that it has to be PG thirteen. Mm. It's like we got to be able to sell, you know. What is it? The Little Caesars pizza thing. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> we got to have our product tie-ins. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the old sell toys. But I think he, he, you know, he works within that and still like, 
if you want that sort of ultra violent, ultra real sort of sort of disturbing Batman movie, I think you do get that here as well. So one last question, we'll wrap it up. Do you have a favorite character in this? This is a very character-driven Batman Ooh. movie, and so you know we've got all these great characters in it. Do you have a favorite? I think for me, it might be Zoe Kravitz as yeah. as Selena Kyle, for for a couple of reasons. One, uh, obviously, my name is Robert, and my daughter's name is Zoe, so that helps. Nice. Uh, two, <laughs> two, I feel like that's. We've already had really solid versions of that character. Obviously, Michelle Pfeiffer and Anne Hathaway, both who did tremendous jobs. This feels the closest to, like I was saying, the animated series. Mm -hmm. This feels closest to viewing that line between Catwoman. She's she's kind of bad, but she's also works with Batman a lot. Like it's that that ambiguity. Yeah. And it, there's there are periods of this movie where she sort of leads extended sequences. Like she's almost as the posters sort of indicate, she's almost kind of a second lead of this film. Oh yeah. And and I think in a lot of ways more compelling than Bruce Wayne, who's just so lost in melancholy. You know, that's not a criticism of his performance. That's just the character. Sure. So when this ends with uh with Zoe Kravitz and Selena Kyle going to Bloodhaven, the sister city of Gotham. You know, we've gotten so many of these Marvel shows over the last year to the point that I'm sort of burnt out. But when she said that, I was like, ooh, can we get a Catwoman show of her going sure. to Bloodhaven? Because I would watch that. Yeah. I, I kind of want more of that character. Uh, and, you know, the, the obvious second choice would have been the Penguin because I think those two are, are so much fun in this movie. But Zoe Kravitz, she had a little more depth here. I, I, I think we're going to get uh, in this sequel. It might be in my Colin Farrell might my, my top uh, my top it just because we'll get a little more of that character yeah. a little more of his his motivations and things I think we get we get a little a little tease of it here but there's a lot more to come from for him for sure but yeah so I'm gonna go Zoe Kravitz Catwoman for this right. good yeah good pick and yeah I, I'd have to go with the Penguin I mean Colin Farrell's so good in this and I mean you can't beat Danny DeVito but it's right. its own take and it's really really good too so yeah absolutely yeah. he gets people say this is so dark and, and bleak with no jokes etc not that a batman movie really needs jokes but the levity that comes from this movie is all from colin Farrell, it really essentially. is yeah and, and like i said that's sort of larger than like like hey we'll take it easy sweetheart <laughs> kind of thing kind it's of so energy good. he has it's it feels completely at, at, at odds with everything else that that's going on and I, and i loved it i loved every second of it that's awesome. Well, uh, Robert, why don't you tell people where they can find you and your podcast? Yeah, you can find uh, Crooked Table Productions. We have two shows, Close Watch with Robert Yannis Jr. and Franchise Detours. Both are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and other podcatchers, as well as CrookedTable.com. And you can find me on Twitter at Crooked Table. Awesome. Well, Robert, thank you so much for uh, doing this. And I would love to get you back for another episode sometime. Absolutely. Thanks so much, David, for, for having me on and giving me a chance to talk about the Batman. All right, so Rosa from Latinx Lens is with us to talk about the Batman. Rosa, how's it going? Hey, it's going great. Thank you so much for inviting me on. Yeah, absolutely. It's been a little while since your uh, last time on the show. And uh, I, I thought of reaching out to you to see if you'd want to do this because I was actually listening to your uh, Latinx Lens episode, and uh, I heard you say that if I think I'm quoting here that you fucking loved this movie. Yes, is that correct. Yes, that <laughs> right. that was the quote. Yes. Awesome, awesome. <laughs> so uh, I thought you'd be a good guest for this one for sure. So uh, are you a big Batman fan? Were you going into this? Actually, no, and I think that's what took me by surprise. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I've never lifted a comic book um, in my life in, in terms of Batman. And mm-hmm. no, I, I've never grew up watching these movies or never grew up being such a fan of, of the characters. So when I go into the screening and I walk out of it literally like a zombie from such <laughs> shock and and just I was in total shock of how much I love this film. I think that's what took me by surprise as somebody who isn't necessarily a big fan of this character. Yet I ended up loving this film. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know through the all these conversations i'm having like you know I, i'll mention that i didn't love it as much as like you're saying i did like it but there's so many incredible people involved in this it's not surprising that people are are loving it. i mean matt reeves is an incredible director robert pattinson of course i love uh zoe kravitz all these people are so good and yeah. so getting them all together it's 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 easy to see how anybody would love this movie yeah so uh, let's get into a couple of puzzle pieces here and uh, we'll kind of get into some of what you loved about it so much uh, as we're discussing the pieces. But what do you have for your first piece? Yes. So the first piece, it's going to be more of a filmmaking stylistic uh, kind of approach uh, when it comes to movies. And one that actually uh, surprised me on how effortless it was to see it unfold. Uh, mm-hmm. in this movie but it works so well and and that's going to be film noir uh something that it's mostly associated with movies like from the 30s and the 40s uh sure. but yeah so so just to a, a little bit of context with the film noir thing um the film noir is more of a mood style viewpoint or tone of film uh rather than a genre and mm-hmm. you can see it all over the place in this movie uh you can see it's dark uh and and you can see the looks very dark in the looks but also it's thematics the theme um and overwhelmingly you can notice it's evident uh to interpret uh the the notions like a fear mistrust uh bleakness and despair which are evidently characteristics of film noir um and and it also depicts this chilly cold um environment with of course it's 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 tones being very uh greedy and of course, the rain and and having all these thematics in the environment give you um gives you um all the feels to it. Uh, what else? It, it's also it because it was developed uh back in the after World War Two, uh, which was more of a post war ambiance of anxiety and pessimism and suspicion, mm. and it's all over this film from the very opening sequence um where we do see uh i'm not going to spoil anything but it's evident, um in in terms of the use of shadows and of course the rain and and the coldness and it gives you a, a very um wide notion of of gotham and and you can see that it's not doing so well in terms of its crimes sure. and everything that's going on and again uh it, it's first person voice narration also it's another element of film noir which is all oh, over yeah. this movie as well and it was something that i did not expect to see an overwhelming sense of it in the movie but it worked so well um it worked for the character it worked for the city and it worked for 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 the entirety of the story. 
um that yeah it gives you all the feels and then you add the 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 extraordinary score by Michael Giacchino into this and then the complexity and the convolution of the storyline and and all that good stuff which again more uh characteristics of film noir which I found to be just fascinating and I think that's what what I took away from this It, it was fascinating to walk into a movie of the Batman which is of course a, a character everybody knows sure but to walk out of it feeling that you had just watched something so refreshing and so nuanced mm-hmm. with the Batman film it, <laughs> it, it, it's kind of like how do you put that in the same sentence it makes no sense but it, yeah we're yeah. so we're so conditioned to think of like these comic book movies to just be just you know popcorn entertainment yeah. and to not have those kind of layers of depth or anything like that right. yeah I mean drawing from film noir though is you know I, I even though it is um, associated with certain versions of of the Batman character over the years and some of the comics and stuff like that uh, they're really heavily leaning into it here and I mean that is the it's kind of almost like the main mission statement I'd say of this film is let's like go a hundred percent in on that film noir influence. And so, yeah, I, I agree with you. Uh, it's definitely a good puzzle piece to kick it off here with. And uh, like, as far as to like some of those elements you were speaking about, like, you know, the score, definitely the, the darkness and, and the shadows, use of shadows and that voiceover, all of that is just yeah. like, yeah, classic noir style. So yeah, great, great first piece. What do you have for your second one? Yes. So my second piece, um, I have to admit, I had not seen this. I had to go out of my way <laughs> to watch it. Uh, it was already on my bucket list to watch. Uh, and mm-hmm. now I can check it off. And that is uh, 1994's The Crow. Um, nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was like, you know what? It gives me all the vibes. And this is just from watching the posters and the stills and a few uh clips here and there and after watching the movie i was like wow so many things i can take away uh from the movie are literally just parallel uh with what i just watched in the batman starting with halloween <laughs> sure <laughs> um there, there's always something about halloween um and of course the the most obvious ones you know the crow and then you have a bat in the other one both flying mm-hmm. animals yeah one's a mammal whatever and um <laughs> close enough, <laughs> close enough. <laughs> yeah, um yeah. they both fly and also very tonally very similar uh in terms of its darkness and its greediness and in in the case of the crow, we 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 do see it more uh, associated with a a a titular character coming back from the dead. Um, and both men in this case, um, Eric and uh, Bruce, or in this case, the Batman, are the embodiment of vengeance, which which I found yeah. to be quite quite fascinating. It was like wow, there there's just so much. Um, I I can parallel between these two characters in terms of grieving, in terms of having these, uh, the human uh, not dehumanizing, but more of a coldness to their personalities for uh different reasons, of course, but also dealing with that grief and 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 um coming back and and being again vengeance and just seeing it all unfold there's even a few sequences in the crow uh from the flashbacks you have a lot of red colors going on which is also uh here um in the batman not not you similarly but uh, that was something that i i was like whoa this is pretty darn uh amazing 
So, yeah, I mean, dealing with their internal struggles, of course, both coming from different places, but not, not, not too distinct in terms of they have to take matters into their own hands. Otherwise, unfortunately, the police won't <laughs> do much, but won't sure. be able to do much about it without their help. Um, what else? Oh, the gothic elements. Ah, sure. I was like, wow, how much more similar can you get um, from 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 this film? And then even even the look, um, they're not the exact same thing, but using yeah those gothic elements in in our main characters is something I also took away from it. Yeah, dark tonally and visually as well. Yeah, it's uh, an older film which um I, to me it actually was able to hold up quite well, even though some of the visuals weren't necessarily the best um mm -hmm. but overall i mean yeah i i think what i saw on the crow i i was definitely able to see a lot of it in in this newest reiteration of the batman absolutely yeah and i i'm you know not doing my own puzzle pieces here but i do have a list of pieces that i i had in mind written down and the crow is my first one on, really? on my list yeah <laughs> when i, I walked it. out of the movie i said this is basically a 200 million dollar remake of the crow the like crow, yeah. you know i mean so so much pain and anguish in this yeah. batman and you know just all those emo feelings and everything yes. i mean that that's totally what this is and i actually just rewatched it for the first time and maybe 20 years uh just a couple of weeks ago for our, our other podcast awesome movie year mm -hmm. uh i did not think it held up very well but you know it's still an important movie i mean it it really sets the tone for a lot of uh you know where dark and gritty comic book movies went over you know the next 20 years and also that soundtrack is just super yes. important to me oh you know? yes all, oh. all that music is so great and i mean yes. here we've got nirvana in this one so i mean it's kind of uh, fits in with, with some of the music that was in that Crow soundtrack back then. Yes, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I was going to put that down. And I'm like, who, what, what, what soundtrack is it? And yeah, you're right. Uh, in the Batman, we get a lot of Nirvana. And uh, and yeah, the Crow also. Uh, pretty darn good soundtrack. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So uh, awesome. Yeah, the, those are some great pieces there, Rosa. Do you have any other like uh, final thoughts on the Batman that you wanted to uh, maybe bring up here? Oh, my God. As How many in, times have you seen it now, by the way? <laughs> I was about to tell you that. I said sit here right now, right now recording this. I've seen that movie three times already. Ooh. And every single time that I've seen it, I, I find new things. And I just become more fascinated by it. That, that car chase scene. Oh, that's great. If you see it in the perfect environment, um, in a theater with perhaps the baddest and, and amazing sound system, you can feel it. You can feel everything. The sound design in that film is just incredible. Um, this third time I watched it, I took my my two older kids to watch it with me. And after that car uh, chase scene, I turned to them and I said, that's cinema. <laughs> <I'm> like, that's <laughs> fucking amazing. Um, and you know what? I, yeah, I've seen it three times. I probably would want to go watch it once more. Um mm. But as of now, it's easily, obviously, but it's still early uh, in the year. It, it's easily my favorite movie of the year. Uh, but for me to go out of my way and watch an almost three-hour film uh, more than once, it, it should tell you something. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing it one more time in Dolby or something like that, Dolby or IMAX, just to, to get that, uh, that car chase scene in oh, again. Man. Because yeah, you're right. That is, oh man, that was really great. 
Yes, you if, if if you do get in the right environment. And for me, seeing it on the biggest screen possible, again with the best sound design. Um and not only that, the audience you're watching it with also <laughs> needs to be um in their best behavior, which is not always the, the easiest thing to accomplish. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, it, it's definitely an an incredible experience. It's it's very the the score sounds amazing. You can feel the score with those damn vibrations. Again, it, it's just an overall cinematic sensory uh, experience that just if you cannot tell <laughs> by my tone um i absolutely love <laughs> awesome awesome i, I want to ask one last question and then we'll wrap it up mm-hmm. uh do you have a favorite character in this movie I, i'm only asking because i feel like you know this being this kind of movie you know all the characters are so well drawn and so yeah. interesting and do, do you have a favorite between all these people um i'm probably going to have to go with i i love what what um zoe kravitz did with catwoman here mm-hmm. uh, i love that yeah she can be very seductive and she's oh my God, she's so beautiful but she's yeah. also a badass uh oh, she yeah. she doesn't need anybody uh to defend her she can protect herself um and and, yeah. and it, just to see that badassery <laughs> i don't even know if that's a term i just made um but makes sense to, to me uh, yeah <laughs> Uh, just to see that badassery in, in in this female character and just to see how she was able to depict her in such a way that, yes, she's a badass, she can handle herself, but you see these little slight touches here of vulnerability as well. And the fact that she was able to depict her in such a way, I was like, she's easily one of my favorite characters in, in this film. And man, she, she was just extraordinary. I had just recently watched her in what, I think it was Kimmy, um, oh yeah, and, and I like what she did there, but this is in a whole different level, and she was just amazing here. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. Well, Rosa, thank you so much for doing the show again. Uh, why don't you tell people where they can find you and your podcast? Yes, um, you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Letterbox at Rosa's Reviews, and you can find all of my work over on Latinx Lens, which is available on all podcasting platforms, or you can visit our website, which is latinxlens.com. And thank you for inviting me. This was fun. (laughs) Absolutely. Hopefully we'll get you back for a full one again sometime soon. Oh, yes. You know, I'm always up for it. All right, so Brian Scuttle's back with us to talk about the Batman. Brian, how's it going? It's going very well. Thank you very much. How how are you doing? I'm great. I'm great. These super episodes are always a, a, a big undertaking with all these little conversations to schedule and, and, and you know, figure out how to piece them all together. Well, there we go. This is getting yeah. meta already. But um, <laughs> yeah, l- l- lots of lots of podcasting to do. But yeah, it's going great. And uh, I'm excited to be talking about this movie. And I'm happy to have you back on the show. Yeah, same. I'm uh, I'm glad to be back. So I've got a bunch of people that I'll be talking to. And we'll be talking lots and lots of puzzle pieces. But before we get into your puzzle pieces, I figure we might as well kick this off and talk about this Michael Giacchino score for a second, since you're a composer and I'm a composer. Um, so I figured you would be the perfect person to ask about that. What do you think about this thing? I mean, it's a huge score. It is a massive score. And I when when I uh, had a chance to watch it, it was that was one of the things that really stood out to me. I avoided all of the cues that they had released prior to the film coming out which mm. i i and you know usually especially a movie like this and especially with a composer that i love like 
Giacchino, I have no problem just listening as early as possible to what they're doing, but yeah, I kind of wanted to keep it as I've gotten to see more and more films over the past couple of years in a critical standpoint and screenings and stuff. I've kind of wanted to avoid that. Yeah. Unless it's somebody, unless it's something that I just absolutely have to listen to because I like the idea of the surprise. Yeah. Needless to say, Giacchino's score really surprised me in very much the best ways. And I, I'm going to dance slightly around some of the things I, I, I think about it because of the fact that it kind of ties into our, uh, into one of my puzzle pieces okay. on the film. But what I will say is I, I don't know if it's necessarily my favorite score from a Batman movie, but mm. I think it's probably. If it makes if this makes any sense, it's probably the best score a Batman movie has had. Mm, okay. We can, Interesting. And we can talk and we can talk more about that. And one of the things I will say that I do kind of love is it fits right in with the detective narrative that we're getting in the film. And it also, you know, you can see you can tell the influence of David Fincher, of Howard Shore's music. Um, mm. a bunch of other things and i i really do kind of love the the way that giacchino scores this movie yeah yeah and i i would say just to kind of just add on there and then we'll just start getting into some pieces here but this theme the main theme from the film is just through the roof like one of the best things I've heard in a long time. Mm-hmm. I do think the overall score leans on it a little too heavily, if that makes sense. Like yeah. it, it comes back over and over and over again in different ways, which it's it's great to uh, to bring it back in different ways here and there. But I mean, it kind of does just continue to do that over and over again to the point where I was like, eh, maybe we can go in a little bit of a different direction here and there. But uh, that main theme, though, there, there's no denying that thing that that mm-hmm. is going to that's going to outlive the film, I think, in, in a lot of ways. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree with that. And I to I do I do agree with your assessment that probably does lean a little too much on it. And I mean, I, I think that's that's one of the things that especially if you are I mean, Grant, this is the first of possibly a new version of Batman that we're going to be getting. Sure. But if you if you have franchise films like this, you do with the composing, with the scoring, you do run the risk of running the theme into the ground. And right. I I mean, I think there are some great themes throughout this for Riddler, for Catwoman. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, yeah, you're 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 right. But that that main theme is truly is, is truly an instant classic for this this character and this genre. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's start getting into some pieces here. Uh, what do you have for your first puzzle piece? So for my first puzzle piece, we'll go ahead and continue with the uh, discussing the film music. And the first puzzle piece is actually kind of like a lot of the early Batman scores. Uh, in addition to some people like Howard Shore music for like David Fincher films, you do get ideas that seem very lifted from Danny Elfman 
and Elliot mm-hmm. Gunthal and Hans Zimmer and James Newton Howard. And that's that's one of the things that's really so interesting about Giacchino as a composer. And it's one of the reasons that I really love his score for Rogue One, mm. uh, Star Wars story. Because one of the things that he does really great there is that he he mirrors the sound of those John Williams scores, but he puts his own personality into it to where you still feel like it's a Michael Giacchino score. Yeah, yeah. And I think he very much does the same thing when it comes to the Batman. And it's the way that he... You know, it's like all of these characters, all of these main characters from the rogues gallery, uh, with the exception of Carmine Falcone, showed up in the Tim Burton and Joel Schumacher film. So naturally, you want to, you know, while those are certainly not the very the same thing in terms of tone, the idea of being inspired by those films is not wholly unexpected. Right, right. Yeah, especially when you're carving out your own path. And I mean, for a character as iconic as Batman, you have to carve out your own path in order to do it again. Otherwise, it's just there's just too many comparisons and and people are just not going to take it as its own new thing. And so, yeah, you you have to have the influence from the previous ones. But at the same time, you kind of got to do your own thing. Um, And yeah, I, I mean... Also, continuing on what you're saying there, you know, I, I've seen so many comparisons to the Imperial March, of course, you know, talking about Star Wars and, and John Williams, and, and I think that that's absolutely an apt comparison. But yeah, Giacchino really makes this theme his own. It's, it's, it's you know, expressly a, a Giacchino score. And so it, yeah. it, uh, it definitely becomes its own thing, even if you can spot little influences in there. Yeah, it's funny. I went to... Uh... I went to my first Dragon Con in 2009, the uh, genre mm. convention in downtown Atlanta, and there was a vendor there who had like obscure and not readily available soundtracks on like burn CDs and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. you know, we we got a friend of mine and I got to talking to him, and this was after this was after the summer that. J.J. Abrams' Star Trek came out, which had a Giacchino score. You yeah. had Pixar's Up, which Giacchino won an Oscar for. And then the year before, you had Speed Racer, which he had scored for the Wachowskis. And one of the things I said is that I do really, I did really kind of think that Giacchino was really kind of forging a path for him to be one of the great you know, one of the great composers of his generation and akin to a John Williams. Yeah. And the, this guy was like, well, I mean, you know, I wasn't really high on his Star Trek theme music. It's like, how, how can you not be? It's like, he does, he does such a great theme for that in terms of not only lifting from the original series when it comes to those characters, but also, doing something completely his own. And that's something that I think, especially in the collaborations with Matt Reeves over the years with Let Me In. I mean, you even look at the piece he did for uh, Cloverfield for the end credits. Sure. It very much is something that is very inspired by past scores, but also something that's very much its own. 
Absolutely. I, I think some people are just resistant to, to new composers, you know, that people yeah. just want to lean on, lean on the classics. And, uh, yeah, speaking about Matt Reeves collaborations, War for the Planet of the Apes is one of my favorite scores of the last decade. And, uh, so yeah, Giacchino, just great stuff all around, but yeah. Awesome. What do you have for your next piece? So my next piece is one that I actually talked about a bit in my print review and it takes a little, you know, it takes a little bit of explain but i think if you've seen the movie you kind of under you'll kind of understand where i'm coming from and that is francis ford coppola's the godfather all right and when i compare it to the godfather i'm obvious i'm not talking about quality because the godfather is one of the great films of all time and as much as i love the batman i wouldn't necessarily put on that level well if you go on twitter uh you'll find (laughs) plenty of people saying that it is but yeah oh i know i know i know (laughs) Uh, and then there are some people who think that people who love the Batman are paid by, you know, Warner Brothers. Where, <laughs> where's my check? If that's the case, we're cashing those sweet checks. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but um, no, when I, I compare it to the Godfather, you know, the Godfather is such a, it's such an insular story. It's such a compact story about the Corleone family. But and it takes place in this relatively small universe that gradually gets expanded, especially as you get further into the sequels. And I feel the same way about the way Matt Reeves develops Gotham in this movie, Mm because this movie is truly about Gotham. And I, I love the fact that we don't, really get a sense of the outside world in this and it's basically just centered in gotham it's not like nolan where it's like oh he has to he he's going to travel to raz al ghul to do his training and stuff like that maybe that happened earlier but the fact of the matter is it's all about gotham and you can kind of see the seeds of expansion in this world but still remains resolutely within the story that's telling the very personal story that's telling absolutely yeah that this this movie is very focused on gotham city and the corruption of gotham city and all of the little elements that make it up and yeah you you can feel that there's like so many uh aspects of what could potentially be in the sequels whether or not we'll see sequels to this we're we're not a hundred percent sure yet but it's almost almost guaranteed but uh th- there's lots of seeds being planted for for what his uh you know vision of the overall uh gotham city and everything that's happening behind the scenes and in all those shadows and everything uh so yeah uh, absolutely and yeah the godfather i i just uh rewatched it the 50th anniversary screenings in dolby mm-hmm. uh last week and yeah i mean just such a uh you know, just a rich movie, just full of so much, so yeah. many aspects to really like sink your teeth into. Well, and it also, and this is something that I think the Batman does very well, is that it it has such an amazing cast of characters, supporting characters. It's not mm-hmm. just, you know, as as much as I enjoy the Burton films, it's not just about this main two or three characters in those movies. It's a you yeah. have these arcs of 
the friend that's living with Selena Kyle. You have Alfred. You have Carmine Falcone. You have James Gordon. You have the mayor who's killed at the beginning. You have the Riddler. You have you have all of these characters that really just get developed in very quick brushstrokes of characterization. And like the Peter Skarsgård character. Mm-hmm. And you know who that character is in just a couple minutes. Oh, yeah. And it's it's really fascinating to see. And that's the type of thing that's so great about The Godfather is that it's not just about Michael. It's not just about Vito Corleone. It's about the world that they live in and the world and the people that they surround each other with where a character who only has a couple of scenes in Luca Brazzi leaves a lasting impression. Yeah, absolutely. It's almost like a reverse uh, Godfather uh, character arc too for, yeah. for our main character, you know, kind of going from uh, too dark to, to, you know, more well-rounded here in the Batman versus mm-hmm. uh, going from more well-rounded to the darkness and, and the Godfather. Um but awesome. Uh, do you have another piece you wanted to bring up? This will probably be one that somebody else comes up with, but uh, the long Halloween, the graphic novel for the Batman series, that is another one that I feel like uh, Reeves is uh, really coming from in terms of the way he builds this story, the way he builds the rogues gallery of these characters. And also the also the structure to a certain extent um mm. it's in batman uh trying to solve this rash of murders we're seeing in gotham and you know it's not the riddler in the long halloween but it's it's a similar kind of idea and it's all about rooting out the corruption and the Long Halloween is one of the few graphic novels of Batman that I've read, but it's one that made a lasting impression. And the thing that about the Batman that I think is so great and so unique about it in terms of the Batman movies we've gotten is because of the fact that it is a fundamentally detective story. And sure. we don't really get that in any of the other uh, Batman movies. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I have not, uh, you know, read any of the graphic novels, but I do see The Long Halloween coming up, you know, many times as being like one of the main uh, influences, you know, for this particular iteration of Batman and, uh, you know, the particular version that, that Matt Reeves is adapting here. But yeah, it seems to be just absolutely beloved. And, and, you know, as far as like going into that detective version of Batman, it seems to be like the source material in a lot of ways. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's, it's funny, the inspiration that you see different filmmakers taking from, I mean, it's, it's interesting that like the, the Tim Burton movies are, you know, you can see ideas from certain Batman stories, but ultimately you're seeing it from the perspective of, well, these are Tim Burton movies. Right. And Tim so Burton's you have thing. the, yeah, it's his his stamp more than it is anything. And then, you know, with Schumacher, you get a different idea of Batman. And then Christopher Nolan, obviously, you get a different idea of Batman. And I mean, even with Batman versus Superman from 
Snyder, we get a different version. And it's, it's one of those things where it's like, I think with a character like Batman, people have said it's like Bond, where it's like, sometimes it can be the one that you came into the character with that you prefer. But ultimately, there's not necessarily a terribly wrong choice. Right. I mean, the one exception to that could possibly be George Clooney, who <laughs> even admits he he's not a fan of Batman. Or yeah. Well, just like Bond, you got to have some goofy, uh, you know, some some goofy entries in the, in the series. But uh, yeah, yeah, I think throwing Bond in there as a uh, unofficial final puzzle piece uh, that that fits really well, actually, with continuing these stories and different versions over the years. <laughs> but uh yeah, awesome. I uh, Brian, do you have any uh like closing thoughts on the Batman that you'd uh, like to bring up? Anything we didn't get to in puzzle pieces? I think we we sort of kind of hinted at, it, but one of the things that I really like about this one is that it focuses even even when he doesn't have the cowl on, it feels like the focus is always on Batman and not Bruce Wayne. Right. And I know some people have used that as a criticism against the film, but I think it's a really interesting choice because you can kind of see because we we know that this is a couple of years into him being Batman. And so what we're seeing is him just fully immersed in that persona, even when he doesn't have the cowl on. And yeah. I think that's interesting. And it's an interesting way into a character who. You know, we we know the iconography of the characters so much that and we've seen it feels like we've seen just about every variation of it that, you know, it's it's nice to find have somebody who decided to take a different route with it. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I was a little hard in my uh, letterbox review. I gave it three stars and um you know, I liked it, certainly. I, you know, I just didn't love it. But the more I've been thinking about uh, that, uh, focusing on, you know, Batman and and not Bruce Wayne and that being kind of the point of the whole thing, that he is just, you know, 100% focused on being Batman and needing to find that balance between his life. Uh, I, the more I feel like I need to give this movie a little more credit. Well, I mean, you know, it's it, it might be one of those movies for you where it's like the first time you see it, you're like, eh, not quite sure how I feel about it. Overall, I like yeah. it, but it didn't really have the impression on me. And then you, you, check it out down the road and it's like okay this is clicking with me now. yeah absolutely and that does happen sometimes yeah but i want to ask you one last question um do you have a favorite character we, we talked about how part of the the strength of this movie is just this you know gallery of characters um yeah. is, is there one that like stands out for you as your favorite um this is gonna seem like a weird one but i actually and it's not necessarily because i i think his performance is decidedly better than anybody else's but i really like the way alfred is utilized and the performance by andy mm. circus in yeah. this it's always you know we had alfred go so long in batman in the 80s and 90s as as even batman's change that character was the same he was the same alfred so to see Nolan's take on it with Michael Caine, to see Jeremy Irons in the Zack Snyder films, and now to see Andy Serkis, it's always kind of interesting to see 
the way writers and directors and the actors even bring something different to that dynamic. And I think this is one where Alfred is not just this, you know, dotering old man or even a mentor. He's somebody who is has a life of his own and has something of his own that he is Bruce is just not privy to. Sure. I think it's really interesting. And that's one of the things I I think I'd be more excited to see in what a sequel is in terms of what role does Alfred play now that Batman seems to be taking on a different life for Bruce. Yeah. yeah. And I, I really love the idea. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The, the interplay between them is great. And, uh, yeah, their continued relationship as uh, Bruce Wayne hopefully gets a little healthier um, will definitely be something interesting to see. And yeah, Andy Serkis is great. He's he's awesome. Mm-hmm. I always like him. Um, but awesome. Brian, uh, why don't you tell people where they can find you and uh, everything you're up to? My written work is at www.sonic-cinema.com. You can also subscribe to the Sonic Cinema podcast on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, Google, basically a lot of the places where you would normally listen to podcasts. Uh, I also have a Patreon at patreon.com backslash Sonic Cinema, where especially this month, uh, we'll be talking about the Oscar nominations. I've got some short film blocks from a recent film festival I'll be writing about, as well as my favorite film scores of 2021 I'll be talking about. So that's at the uh, Sonic Cinema Patreon. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for uh, joining me on this one, and I hope to get you back sometime soon. Thank you very much. It's always a pleasure. All right, the Merc with the Movie Blog is back with us, Josh Rayner. Josh, how's it going? It's going pretty well. It's good to be back, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's been a while, right? Uh, I've wanted to get you back on the show, and I'm I'm glad we're going to do it for the biggest movie of the year, probably most oh, likely. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I mean, think it's much bigger. I know there's a lot of time left in the year, but uh, I, I don't see, I don't know if I see anything quite, quite top in this. Maybe. See, yeah. Like I said, it's pretty early still, but uh, it's still pretty early in the year. Yeah. So I guess, I guess we'll see what happens, but yeah, it's, it's an exciting one to talk about. I think, I, I guess we'll kick it off uh, before we start getting into some puzzle pieces. I just, you know, want to ask you like, is Batman a huge character for you? Or are you, are you like, I mean, who doesn't like some Batman, but I mean, you know, are, is Batman really important for you? Yeah. Uh, Batman DC as a whole, I mean, I run a, a DC website, so like I'm entrenched. Yeah in the world of DC and in Batman and uh, on a daily basis. Um, so yeah, Batman has been, been a big part of, of my geeky, geeky fandom, I guess you could say uh, for pretty much all my life. Yeah. That's awesome. Awesome. Well, yeah. I, and one thing that like really sticks out for me with, with this particular movie, the Batman is just how many incredibly talented people they pulled together for this. I mean, Matt Reeves is an awesome director Robert Pattinson, I, I'm a huge fan of. I, like all of these actors that are like filling in all these other roles, <laughs> there's just a lot of talent involved in this thing. Um, so I, I'm sure as a lifelong Batman fan, it's like exciting to be like, oh, okay, we we got like we got some of the best coming together yeah. to make this thing. Yeah, and it's like I've seen plenty of movies where it's like, oh man, this is a fantastic cast, and then it turns out to just be garbage. Sure, you know? it happens all the time, but what Matt Reeves did with this movie, bringing the, this cast together, they all 
blew it out of the water for me. Like yeah. at, there wasn't a, a performance other than maybe like the second commissioner guy. Mm. Uh, I honestly don't even remember his name. Um, uh, I, I don't know. I didn't care for his performance. I don't know what it was. It was like a third it. level role there. Yeah. So, it's so like, other yeah. than him, I honestly had like no issues with any of the performances throughout, yeah. throughout the, the entire movie. So, uh, yeah, which is rare. You know, that doesn't happen very often. So. Even the thugs are uh, are pretty good. You know, yeah. all the, the people Batman just beats up nameless people. Yeah, they're, they're all good, too. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. So yeah. many it's, good people. It's, in such, it's just such a well put together film. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, let's start getting into some puzzle pieces. Uh, we'll just do a couple here. But uh, what, what do you got for your first piece? The first thing that popped to my mind when I was watching this movie was Saw. Okay. And, yeah. You know, you've got you got the Riddler a very unique version of this character uh, from, you know, compared to what we've seen, whether it be in other movies or in TV shows and the comics. Uh, but it felt, you know, there are other obvious, there, there are other uh, things that he pulled from for this character, but he uses these traps essentially, you know, he, he kidnaps these people, he uses these, these traps on them. And it just, it, it screamed saw to me mm-hmm. um, you know, for anybody who has seen, that genre of film i mean that's that's what it's all about it's about making people answer for their sins essentially sure you know and that's really that's that's what he was doing in in this movie and like the one with the with the rats uh i'm like i could have seen that happening in in a song yeah that's a jigsaw trap all the way right yeah for sure absolutely so that was that one that screamed out to me right away uh, yeah, from when I first watched the movie. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. I I have like a little master list of puzzle pieces. That even though I'm not providing my own mm-hmm. here on the episode, but uh, Saw is on mine as well. I would I would also include uh, in talking about Saw. I would include the most recent Spiral from the Book of Saw and dealing with you know dirty cops and you know yeah. that whole thing and the corruption in the police department. I mean. Yeah, it's it's a hundred percent like going into uh, both the 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 angle of Jigsaw being so much uh, like what this version of Riddler is, and with with all just the corruption angle of everything going on in Gotham City. Uh, yeah, there's just so much saw in this, and it's funny. I wouldn't have like necessarily expected that out of a Batman movie, but it yeah. definitely works. I think Paul Dano's performance as such a unhinged villain really uh, helps to to you know bring that in and it, you know this movie a lot of people are talking about how it's you know it's a grounded batman which it is i mean it seems like that's kind of the the draw it's like it's noir it's grounded it's dark i mean those are like the things that they're going for here but he is big and he is yeah. like a, a huge screaming psychopath at times and that also very jigsaw oh yeah definitely uh i mean yeah i agree it is definitely very grounded but like it's also at times not, yeah. you know, it's like when you, when you go and you watch like the Nolan films, those were purposely meant to be very grounded. Sure. Like, like you would never see some of the crazier DC characters in a Nolan film, but like I could see those types of characters popping up in the Matt Reeves. It's the way that he built this world, you know, sh- giving us certain things that seemed a little ridiculous, but because it's, it's a comic book film, it's like, okay, I can work with that. Like when, uh, when Batman has his like little, uh, little glider flight suit, when it just snaps it on like super sure. quick, I'm like, that's no, that's not going to happen in real life. Like nobody's going to pop that thing on that quick. 
Uh, yeah. But it works in in the sense of, of what Matt Reeves is building here. Yeah. Um, so I think I think that his ability to do that will pave way for some characters that we would have never seen in the Nolan films. Uh, yeah. And I think that could really kind of help to uh, give a new take compared to what we've seen before. Sure. Uh, in in sure. films for some of these characters, like what he did with the Riddler. You know, the last yeah. time we saw the Riddler in film. It was Jim Carrey being, you know, hamming it up in, in Batman. Totally Forever. over the top. And this is such a different version. Yeah. It's insane how different this version is, but it's still, it feels like the Riddler. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think, you know, before we move on to the next piece, I, I think part of the reason why that works, that like grounded, but not kind of thing is because it is so insulated into just Gotham city. And I, I, I have to assume if we get sequels, which we probably will, um, that things are going to stay in Gotham City. We're not going to get out into the world outside of Gotham. Yeah, and I think probably. within Gotham, you could kind of do what you want, you know? Yeah. And it, it, even if it seems a little kind of unrealistic, it's like, well, we're losing that groundedness. Well, no, because this is, you know, in this comic book world of Gotham City. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I don't I don't think we need to go outside of Gotham. Uh, right. There's so much there. It's so rich yeah. and textured. I mean, if you look at the comics, I mean, there's, you know, a dozen different, you know, Gotham based comics running right now. Yeah. You know, and so like there's plenty of story to tell just within the realms of Batman and Gotham City. Uh, so many different villains that can be used. Uh, so like, yeah, I'd, I'd be totally fine if we never get like, you know, the Justice League it, Matt Reeves universe as long as we get amazing stories like this one so yeah absolutely well what do you got for your next piece uh my next piece is a is a film that i love and uh it the way that the story was structured with the riddler uh and his riddles kind of sending batman and gordon kind of on these different chases to, to figure things out reminded me of seven sure fincher seven you know because We've got uh, this is this psychopath who's toying with these 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 law enforcers, so to speak, and uh, sending them from crime to crime, trying to figure out who it is. And he's just playing with them. You know, he knows eventually he's going to you know, he wants to be found eventually. And, yeah. that, and, it, and it's they both are like that. And I thought the the grittiness of it. Uh, really tied in well with what Matt Reeves was doing. So uh, I, I love that he kind of, I don't know if he was purposefully inspired, you know, taking from, from these movies or not. But I mean, to me, it, it, it felt just like sitting in that, that kind of movie. You know yeah. I, mean? I, I feel like it had to have been like, there, there's almost no way that if you were to sit Matt Reeves down and ask him that he would, you know, not say like, yeah, absolutely. David Fincher in general, really, because yeah. I, you know, it's come up in other conversations that Zodiac is also, you know, yeah. something that would be an inspiration. I thought about seven. using that one. I was like, somebody's probably going to have already said that. <laughs> right. For sure. And, and yeah, I mean, it, th those are kind of like, uh, you know, unescapable like puzzle pieces here because it definitely feels like, you know, Batman and Gotham and Batman characters all within a world that feels so much like, like, you know, seven and, and, and Zodiac. And so, yeah, definitely. I think that that it has to be a part of the conversation for sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And like what I loved about this movie specifically is that we didn't have to get like a rehash of like Batman begins. You know oh, what yeah. I mean? 
You know, we didn't have that origin. He's two years in. We, we're just expected to understand that this is a guy who has started doing this. We don't need to know all that backstory that we've seen 18 billion times. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's that's one of the things I really because like then we were just able to get into stuff. We didn't have yeah. to spend a half an hour setting all that up, you know. You're so right about that too. Like that is definitely one of the major strengths of this movie is yeah, we've seen the origin so many times. Like we really yeah. don't need it and uh thankfully we don't get it. They don't waste any time on that. And, and that's and they so could smart. have he could have easily fallen into that because like we get to see Martha and Thomas in in various time at various times in this movie. Yeah, they could have shown us something about the murder like mm-hmm. that, but he chose not to. Like we we did. I don't. I don't even think we saw like a newspaper clipping of it. Right. You know what I mean. So like he completely stayed away from that specific event, which I really appreciated. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, do you have any other pieces you wanted to bring up? I mean, it was it was really just those two, and then mm-hmm. uh, I, I was I would have mentioned Zodiac if uh, if you hadn't already already kind of brought it up. Sure. Uh, that one, that's a very obvious one. You know, he, he based this version of the Riddler off of, off Zodiac, the look, the ciphers, everything, you know, yeah, yeah. with the weird symbol that he did, all of it, uh, based off of that. So, I mean, that one, I feel like you had to, had, that one had to be brought up at some point. But. Absolutely. Yeah. Th- yeah. This movie, I mean, it's, it's Batman in a Fincher movie. I mean, that, that <laughs> is really what it feels like. And there's, uh, you could, you know, do much worse with your inspiration. Seriously. Those are awesome and, movies. And he set up so much interesting possibilities for the future. You yeah. Know, like uh, outside of what happens at the very end, you know, people are, are screaming for that character to come in. I honestly, I don't think he should, at least not right away. You know, they, yeah. he, he, perp- he, in a beautiful, subtle way, set up the character of hush. And I really want that to happen. Uh, he teases with the name and with, uh, with, with his last name and everything. Uh, with the the reporter who gets killed at one point, his name is uh, uh, Edward Elliot, and Hush's okay. name is Thomas Elliot. Um, okay, so I don't know that because I'm not a comic book reader. So yeah, I, I didn't realize that. And during that whole scene, that video that he shows, he flashes the the word Hush on the screen because it's about Hush money. Okay, um, and like so, like it got me really thinking. It the uh, there's a perfect way to set up this character, uh, you know, Thomas Elliot sees this you know because everybody in gotham has seen this now he sees this he finds out that you know the waynes were responsible for the death of his father he sees this thing you hush it flashes you know things just go on in his mind and it just it it sparks this idea in his him to seek revenge Mm -hmm. you know and i I mean i think it's perfect and he didn't he didn't just like spell it out for you and say hey this is what's gonna happen it's just he kind of sprinkled it in there and if you caught it you caught it if you didn't you didn't yeah you know so if he chooses to do that there's already a perfect setup for it yeah absolutely no that that's that's really cool and yeah i mean as far as that other character barry kyogen's young we we could get him in like five ten years we we don't need him right away (laughs) yeah i mean i i kind of hope we still like get glimpses of him like that Mm -hmm. in you know just him in arkham you know whatever sure just get like a little glimpse of him and then yeah down the road i don't know how many movies they plan to do with this but uh I'd be down for as many as they want if they're going to keep this kind of quality for it. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, uh, any other uh, closing thoughts you have about the Batman before we wrap it up? Oh, I'm sure I have a lot, and I could probably be here for like an hour and a half. To, sure. Uh, but uh, it's I just it's fantastic. I've seen it twice. I plan on seeing it at least one more time in the theaters. Yeah. Um, uh, and I'll probably watch it a lot once it hits uh, HBO Max next month too. So. Awesome. Awesome. Well, one last question and then we'll wrap it up. Uh, But I've been asking all of the guests on the super episode because this is such a character driven movie. Do you have a favorite character in this movie? Oh, man, there's a lot of good ones in here. Uh, I think I would have to go with the Riddler because Paul Dano does such uh, an amazing job taking this kind of goofy character. Mm-hmm. And making him this complete sociopath who's just who's just out to kind of wreak havoc and and, and and kind of get what he wants. And I don't know, it's just the way it's done in such a unique way. I never would have expected that before, you know, before like the trailers and everything dropped, before we started hearing about this movie. I would have never ex- have expected somebody to be like, okay, I'm going to take the Riddler and mix it with Zodiac and, and we're going to have something awesome here. I would have yeah. never crossed my mind, but it, it was such a good job. And uh, I hope that we get to see Paul Dano kind of evolve into that Riddler that we kind of know from the comics, as long as he doesn't get goofy. You know sure. what I mean? So yes, I, th- I think he could really nail it. Yeah, I, I think so, too. Paul Dano is such a great actor. And yeah, the the character unfolds. So I could totally see it continuing to unfold in, in future ones, because by the end of the movie, he is just so watchable. And, and he's great yeah. towards the beginning, too. But I mean, it, it's a performance that just gets better and better as it goes. And yeah, uh, yeah I'd love to see that continue because uh, Dano is awesome. I love him. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> So, uh, awesome. Josh, why don't you tell people where they can find you and uh, everything you're up to? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at JP Rayner. That's J-P-R-A-Y-N-O-R. As well as at Movie Blog Merc. That's a Twitter page for my site, Merc, with a movie blog. Uh, I have YouTube channel, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, and I have a lot of different uh, kinds of podcasts there. So uh, just be sure to check me out. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for uh, doing the show again, Josh. Thank and you. hopefully we'll get you uh, back on a uh, full one one of these days soon. Oh, absolutely. That'd be, uh, that'd be great. All right. So Josh from the Movie Court is here to talk The Batman. Josh, how's it going? That's going good, man. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I don't know if I've ever had somebody on who their podcast hasn't launched yet, but is uh, <laughs> on the way. It's coming soon. <laughs> yeah, I actually, uh, I was doing a NFL podcast beforehand. And yeah. uh, I mean, movies have always been my interest. And I remember uh, in my old account doing the NFL stuff, I always followed you anyways. Never really yeah. listened to the show because I was mainly doing you know football stuff, whatever. But whatever. But uh, left that one. Decided I want to do movie one because that's like my true number one love, pretty much. And sure. uh, yeah, we're planning to launch in early April. It did have a specified date, but you know it's kind of just up in the air at the moment. But we are no, we know we're starting in April in springtime. Awesome, awesome. Well, uh, the Batman. This has got to be like the biggest, most anticipated thing, if not of the whole year, certainly of the first you know, half of the year for sure. Was this a, a huge thing for you too? Or are you a big Batman fan? Uh, Yeah. I mean, uh, I'm a little bit of a, a younger person if you couldn't tell, but uh, mm-hmm. uh, I was around 13, 14 when the Dark Knight really came out. And that was okay. my first, that that pretty much initiated my love for movies itself, you know, because, uh, you know, beforehand it was just, you know, stuff I would watch with my family and stuff. But yeah, Dark Knight came sure. out, went and saw it. And I was amazed. I was like, wow, 
movies <laughs> pretty much it just like went forth like that um i'm not exactly that too big into comics or anything but i do like the batman character overall uh really appreciate what christopher nolan did so i was happy you know excited to see what a new director could really do uh because of you know the dc bbs stuff didn't really exactly like work out so well sure. but yeah i, I like yeah. matt reeves as a director i think he's solid he's not exactly my favorite per se but you know he does have an eye for a good frame and stuff and um i mean yeah we'll probably talk more about that as soon as we go into this yeah yeah absolutely and yeah that, that's the thing with with batman because of the uh the gravity of it all like it's regardless of the specific take on the character and like the world of batman like you're going to be getting like some kind of bigness to it wh whether mm -hmm. it's taking it more comic book style or more film noir style or any anywhere in between there you're going to get like the biggest possible version of that particular take on mm -hmm. the character and and that's what i think uh makes these movies so exciting for people but uh we'll, we'll get into you know what worked and what didn't work and all that along the way uh what do you have for your first piece here um you know i don't want to overstep anyone because i know they're going to bring up venture and stuff and we will probably glaze over it but I mean, obviously, Seven and uh, a big issue, you know, bringing up the, the Riddler stuff and just how, you know, uh, Fincher, you know, pretty much forms himself. All of his movies are pretty much crime-based for the most part. Um, mm. my, I guess my first big one I wanted to bring up was probably The Departed. Um, okay. I know that Matt Reeves has mentioned before that some of his characters, you know, he kind of based them around the Godfather characters, but... The Departed being another, you know, mobster, you know, movie pretty much. I think the I think the, the thing I want to hammer home most is probably just the rat scenario. Because throughout sure. like two hours of this movie, we're introduced to just rats in like many different forms. You know, not only the departed is a mobster movie, in the Batman you have the whole Falcone, Maroni situation, how the penguins evolve, how cap moments evolve of uh I guess some of these spoilers, but you know, in, in their situation too. But a big part of the story for one part is Finding the rat, which is essentially the departed itself, you know, what that's yeah, about. Yeah. So you spend a good part of the movie trying to find the rat, you know, who who in the in the police force or whoever is in the, you know, memory side, they're both trying to find their rat. And then a part of that is also one of the riddles is that the, the big one they focus on the most is trying to find who is, you know, the rat itself. And one of the I don't want to spoil that too much, but uh, there's a riddle that involves a rat and that's the one they spend the most time on so if we're yeah, talking yeah. to straight up the the mobster side of it and finding a rat to me that's to a t the departed um yeah. quality wise i probably wouldn't say it's like quite that level but yeah i think we're talking mobsters finding rats the departed yeah no absolutely i, I think that's a great one to kick it off with and i i think it's also kind of fun to bring the departed in because you know, with a lot of these movies lately, like even this movie, particularly the Batman, I mean, we, we are, we're getting The Godfather as one of the pieces people have, have mentioned, uh, you know, Chinatown, like all these mm -hmm, like yeah. 70s, like, you know, like grimy crime type movies. And as far as something so much more recent from those kinds of filmmakers, you know, so it, it, it's cool to bring The Departed in to show that, you know, these filmmakers are still making things that are inspiring other movies, you know, still to this day. And I mean, you can't get much more influential than Scorsese. So it, it definitely makes sense. Yeah, I, I really wonder how much of like how much of an influence that he really had on just the recent DC movies, because obviously he was a, a part of the Joker situation and he sure. did step down from directing duty, still remained on, on side with the producer. But just the fact that that's, I would say, farther than derivative of King of Comedy and Taxi Driver, I think that takes a little bit too far. Um, mm -hmm. I, I know this one, you know, every, everyone mentioning Seven and stuff. I, I think this one's more 
its own thing without being a, an exact copy. But uh, yeah. I still wonder like, how much of uh, Scorsese still had an influence over the future of DC. Because whenever Joker was initially getting its, uh, its big run, it became a billion-dollar success. The highest-grossing R-rated movie of all time, the Batman was in production. So I, I, I could see DC just being like, hey, that made a shit ton of money. So you keep on doing this whole like uh, 70s uh, Nora stuff. Scorsese's influence, I-, I could see that you know being in talks behind it. Yeah, maybe like we were doing dark and heavy, but the wrong kind of dark and heavy. Let's do yeah. the kind of dark and heavy that these, you know, these kinds of gangster <laughs> filmmakers do. Like dark and heavy, but without the fun of it, you know? Exactly. <laughs> Not like the yeah. biting satire of anything. It's just straight up just like, here's this giant green screen, but it's just black and dusty. Can't see shit. Um, <laughs> I know that I actually think you're the one that started this joke about how like... Uh, how great the cinematography was in, in Batman, and it's just a blank, blank page. <laughs> just yeah. pure black, and it's like, yeah, it's a funny joke and all, but there is some legitimate great shots in here. Like, you got a good credit oh, to are. Matt Reeves, because it definitely is, you know, uh, just frame by frame. There's just a lot of shots in here, just beautiful. A lot due in part because it's mainly lit, you know, with just pure aesthetic lights. Um, I think the most common one we're seeing right now is the, the flare, uh, sure. whenever Batman's yeah. going through the puddle, uh, you know, great in the water. Scene. And then earlier on, there's a just a still shot going down, like looking down a hallway, and Batman is taking down some thugs who have some some guns with their hands, and is only lit up by the, the players. You know, actually, the, the shots going off pretty much. So yeah, yeah, and and I can you know make the jokes about about the cinematography, but at the same time, like you know. This is so noir influenced, oh, yeah. you know, and so it's like it makes total sense that they're going to play with the shadows that much and things are going to be as dark as they are. And I mean, every iteration of Batman is pretty dark. I, yeah. I mean, really, like they, they all are. Even if you go back to the Tim Burton ones, those are those are also pretty dark. I mean, things were a little brighter back then, but uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's it's still dark, though. There's still a lot of shadows and a lot of that stuff. So and if there's one thing you can say about Batman, though, is that with every iteration, you know, at least there's something unique, no matter how the quality oh, yeah. is, even with the Schumacher Batman, there's still something unique about it. It's definitely a Schumacher Batman, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they all have their own take on it, and even if it doesn't always work, um, at least at least they're you know taking those chances and putting their own spin on it. Mm-hmm. But uh, what do you have for your next piece? Um, mine is actually this next one's more centered around a particular scene itself. Um, mm-hmm. It's probably going to be the most infamous scene in this movie. It's going to be the car chase. Um, sure. Easily for me, the probably the biggest highlight of the movie, uh, especially action wise. It lasts a couple of minutes. It's all great. It's shot perfectly, even though it's somehow it's super rainy and it's super dark. It still just looks fantastic. Um, yeah, you know, and I'm not even like one of those people that thinks this is a perfect movie or anything, or even my my favorite Batman per se. But that scene in general is just shot so well, given you know how rainy it is and how like dark it's you know it actually is and appears to be. But the piece itself, I'm gonna go with Steve McQueen's bullet. Uh, just mainly with the car sure. chase. It's like a 10-minute-long car chase. Not exactly, you know, the, the obstacles, you know, the same way or anything, but it's just how it's shot. There's a lot of shots in, in, the, in the car chase in Steve McQueen's the Bullet where um, it's just mounted on the car. Uh, I think probably the most infamous one is probably where it's actually, you know, behind the driver's seat over his shoulder in both of the mm-hmm. vehicles, um, him being chased and being chased. You know, just it, there's a lot of shots where it's just standing still. It's just that one... And it's just going through the motions and stuff. Um, even to the point where the beginning of the chase where um, he, he goes through some traffic 
And the shot's still staying on. You know, there's a taxi in front of his way, but it's still staying on him, just working his way around this taxi. And it's just, it doesn't cut away or anything. He has to go around it. And I feel like a lot of that, um, God, what was that? Was that a 60s or 70s movie? Um, 68. Ah, 68. There you go. Yeah, one of the early yeah. pioneers in, in car chases. But uh, yeah, I feel like just that itself, if we're talking just pure frame and shots itself, uh, I feel like that would be a, a, a lot of inspiration for the Batman. Because in this chase, in the Batman, uh, there's probably mainly four or five shots that they continue to go back and forth between. And that's the, the shots where it's mounted in, you know, in the windshield of Batman's vehicle, you know, on looking the debris and stuff that's happening in front of him trying to get to Penguin. And then on Penguin's side itself, there's a couple of shots where it's looking in the rear view. You can see Penguin's face. And probably the most famous one right now is the where it's actually looking back towards Batman, but it's on, like, the, the left front of the car. And it's just sitting right, there the right. entire time. I mean, just, if we're talking just pure how it's framed, I think uh, Bullet's uh, car chase is a, a big inspiration for that. I know they mentioned the French Connection, but I, I've seen that one a couple times. Not exactly the same to me. I, I feel like it's just, if we're talking just pure shots, it's, it's Bullet. Yeah, I think shots would be Bullet, but uh, French Connection, I think people bring that one up mainly because uh you know that being the big standout you know being oh, yeah. the car chase you know and so it kind of like it fits there as far as intention is concerned but yeah i've never actually seen bullet um i'm gonna have to watch it soon because uh, it looks like spielberg is going to be making a new one so oh um, wow. <laughs> wow yeah so that uh nothing sacred anymore <laughs> yeah no it, it all comes back around eventually mm-hmm. yeah it either influences a new batman movie or uh spielberg makes a remake one of the two so. Yeah, I, I, I guess I'm afraid for a DC or like a little bit because like I still want more, I guess a little bit more originality, I guess, you know, it's mm-hmm. fine that there's all, all their best stuff right now. It's currently being inspired by other stuff. And I mean, you know, all movies are inspired in some sort of way from sure. one another, you know, whether you're a director or whatever set you're working on or whatever your job is. But, you know, when it's outright like going back to Joker, where it's practically almost a remake of King of Comedy. And it's oh, like, yeah, it, okay, it really yeah. is cool like it's like a a nice introduction you know to that kind of movie and stuff and even for the batman like even though i would say it's not too derivative of seven or anything you know there's a lot more elements to what this movie has i would probably say it's more um along the lines of zodiac you know for just Mm -hmm. just based on what the riddler does but yeah well those are both great pieces are there uh any closing thoughts you had anything else you wanted to bring up about the batman before we wrap it up um, not really. Just overall, I mean, uh, as far as like where we fit in my like echelon of the Batman movies, right now I'm kind of tinkering between, I guess third to fifth. I think to me, the yeah. Dark Knight and Batman Begins probably still hold the top two spots. Um, mm. I, I would say that this one probably gets the Batman himself the most right, I guess. But um, okay. I'm just if we're talking in terms of overall movie quality, I think the Dark Knight really takes the cake. Um, if this is someone's favorite Batman, I could totally see a why, you know, because it does get that element, you know, correct and stuff. But, uh, yeah, I, I think if you're a Batman fan or just not even a fan itself, I could see you really liking, um, anything from this movie. I mean, I took my girlfriend, uh, this past weekend to go see it and it doesn't give a shit about Batman, Batman at all. Sure. But even though she, she liked it, you know, cause it's not straight up, you know, just an action movie. It's a detective story and Neo Noir, you know, going back to the classics and stuff, you know, I think everyone... Uh, Batman fan or not can actually find something really enjoying this just from everything across the board acting wise the Batman himself uh, if you're not a fan of Batman Catwoman's in there Penguin's great Penguin to me was a standout and he's not even in it probably a total of what 15 minutes or something but 
Yeah. Um, I was actually just about to ask you, um, I've been asking uh, everybody who's doing the super episode who their favorite character was, because it's such a character-based movie, you know? Mm-hmm. So would Penguin be your uh, your pick there? Um, God. <laughs> I would say he's probably my favorite standout. Um, if we're talking this, like, uh, with the amount of screen time, I guess, um, I, I really like a, a ride to Jim Gordon. Uh, you know, he's okay. actually in it a lot more. He does a great job. Um, uh, the Batman universe has a, a bunch of great Gordons all together. So it's like, it's maybe it's just a role that's meant to be for someone. You're just bound to be stand out in it. But I thought he was great in it. Um, I'll be excited to see what they do with that HBO Max series of Penguin, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. I, I Colin Farrell's just great, and I mean, I'm glad he's getting to do. Yeah, I, it really. He, he's he's doing so much great stuff lately, and uh, and this is such a when, when you know we first heard about him playing Penguin, it was like what, like like really? And then, <laughs> then we saw those first shots, and it was like, wait a minute, what's going on here? But uh, yeah, I, I just absolutely love what he does with the with the character. It's just mm-hmm. such a fun role. But uh, yeah, awesome. Yeah, Josh, this was great. Uh, why don't you tell people again uh, where they can find you and where they'll eventually find your podcast? Uh, we, we are the movie court. I'm not the only judge on here. I'm going to be Judge Hatchet. My buddy is going to be a Judge Hamlet, probably. Um, but yeah, it's going to be the two of us. Uh, we're the movie court. We're going to bring a movie up to each of us to court and just determine whether or not it's actually worth uh, recommending or not. Um, we're going to have everything from good, bad, to great movies itself. We'll be a bi-weekly podcast. We're going to debut in the first week of April, hopefully April 4th. We'll have a trailer up uh, sometime in March. But April 4th is our goal at the moment. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, at the Movie Court. I think on Twitter we're actually at Movie Court. But uh, yeah, and podcasts, wherever you can find us, Spotify, Apple, uh, Stitcher, however you listen to it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Josh, for uh, joining me here. And maybe we'll get you back for a full episode sometime. Thank you, David. Well, I went to the deepest, darkest, most scary places of Arkham Asylum to find our final guest for this episode. Chad Clinton Freeman's with us. Chad, how's it going? Uh, It is going great, and I am excited (laughs) to be on this episode, because this is a great, great movie to talk about. Yeah, for sure, and you know, we we always got to have you on the DC ones, but you know, especially this one, because it's, it's... you know, there's a lot of things that we love in this, and and I've been talking about this with some of the other guests as well, but there are so many people that we all love that are a part of this, whether it's Matt Reeves as director, mm-hmm. or Robert Pattinson, or like all these people that are just so awesome and have done so much great work over the years, so I mean, it's it's an exciting movie for oh, sure. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, uh, Matt Reeves coming off of uh, Wolf for the Planet of the Apes, uh, Ooh, which yeah. is masterpiece. Uh, yeah. So uh, I, I still, I, I think that's his best for me. Uh, it, mm-hmm. it, you know, Wolf for the Planet of Apes is going to take a lot to top that movie, but this I did, I did love this movie. So you know, we, we'll talk about your thoughts on the movie as we're going through puzzle pieces, right. of course. So we might as well just start jumping right in. You're our last guest of the super episode. Chad, what do you have for puzzle pieces here? What's your first one? All right. Well, I've got I've way more than we can talk about. <laughs> I will definitely try to uh, keep it to, you know, just a handful. Maybe mm-hmm. uh, mention a couple of others as I get through these. But um, one of the things that I thought was so, like, cool about this version of Batman is how horror-based and inspired it was. Yeah. You know, uh, definitely felt like it was coming from horror movie influences, and one of the big ones that I thought of right off the bat from that opening scene is John Carpenter's Halloween. Um, sure. Obviously, the, the POV to start off the movie, 
uh, which uh, the whole POV thing, uh, you know, you go back further to Peeping Tom, the 1960s uh, mm. horror yeah, kind yeah. of thriller. But definitely Halloween's the the big one that, that kind of brought in the killer POV that then, uh, to mainstream audiences anyway, because I know some uh, Italian movies did it as well. But um, not only that, uh, the Riddler and his look with the glasses over the suit, which is like, not only ridiculous, but terrifying at the same time. <laughs> yeah, like this person <laughs> it, it is It reminds not... me of, of the moment, <laughs> though, when Michael uh, puts on the, the sheet like a ghost, and then he puts the guy's glasses on top of that. So it definitely right. seems like that there's an intentional nod there. Um, not only that, the way you we're, we're introduced to both Batman and the Riddler, they're, they're both these terrifying presences just kind of creeping out of the darkness and they kind of pop out into the light. And it's a lot like how, you know, Michael Myers always is just kind of there in the same room with Jamie Lee Curtis. And then she doesn't even seem. And then, like, we realize it before she does type thing. Just that right. that creeping uh, in the darkness and, and just kind of being there. And also just that whole, the the way that Batman, what he was going for with the, wanting people to fear him wanting the the bat signal to be this you know he wants that to be a sign of fear he wants it to just right. strike terror with people i it, it's that same kind of thing though with that whole boogeyman presence that sure. michael myers has without him actually doing that like like how that's what the aim is with bruce wayne and batman but that's really what michael myers was um, yeah, yeah. And with uh, kids, you know, of course, would see him and then they'd be like, oh, it's the boogeyman. And, you know, it, 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 it's really just felt like Halloween, though. And the fact that this one opens on Halloween. Uh, yeah, that another... too. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. another that's another way to tie it in as well. But but I totally agree, though. I mean, this movie definitely uses a lot of the like the visual language of, of slasher movies to kind of introduce its characters and hiding amongst the dark until, you know, the moment to, to pop out and, and make their kill, whether it's the good guy or the bad guy. I mean, they kind of both use that same strategy in, in you know, what what they do. And so, yeah, there's a lot of that slasher or horror type movie. And yeah, Halloween is like the most yeah, one influential of, the, one of, the of them all. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Even if I don't like it as much as we've established on the show, but I, right. I, rec I, I certainly recognize it though, as <laughs> the most uh, influential of them all. So, yeah. Yeah. So in, in, and the next piece is, it's kind of related cause it, it's it, it, here. Okay. Here, here's a, this is one that I feel like has finally come around and I'm starting to see more and more, in mainstream as this being an influence and it's kind of horror related it also was batman related i feel like but uh that's the tv show dexter so okay. dexter this feels so much like dexter more so than any other batman because dexter itself has always felt like that it was kind of batman inspired um mm -hmm. and this is the first time though where i kind of felt like it's almost like those those worlds were the same because the the big one is you know Dexter he's a crime scene investigator so he's always at the crime scenes he's uh you know basically finding clues and 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 seeing things that nobody else is and he's kind of getting ahead of everybody else 
This is the first time we have Batman actually in the crime scene. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, yeah. like he is one of the criminal uh, investigators, you know, on on scene, and he's he he's also picking up on things that they're not necessarily picking up on. So I, I just with that instantly with Batman being at the crime scenes reminded me of of Dexter. Of course, he's there as Batman, uh, not as Bruce Wayne. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, that kind of juggling the, the, the two sides, uh, the way this one shows him really as a detective, uh, very much, you know, doing police work, you know, better than the police. Uh, and then him also having that, that dark side where he's going out and he's, you know, not killing anybody, but he is, you know, definitely uh maiming and beating the crap out of people <laughs> yeah we, um, we got to remember that batman cannot kill anybody yeah. it's very important <laughs> well and, and that's the thing batman batman does have that code and of course dexter has a code it's totally different than that batman i mean dexter's code is 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 don't get caught that's one of the big sure. uh, yeah, codes yeah. of him so him and batman do they're, they're quite a bit different there but uh this one very much the, as dark as it is the the, the harsh uh elements of it um and uh you know batman actually you know investigating a serial killer which is what dexter you know almost every season is always a, it's a new serial killer that he's investigating and he's uh unraveling all these clues and he ends up going outside the police to to really uh, solve the case but there's just a lot of uh of dexter uh, feeling elements here and not only that some of the uh the score also reminds me of Dexter. Uh, okay. The Dexter uh, blood theme, which is uh, uh, one that pops up uh, through the episodes and then is always at the end uh, with the the credits, uh, with the with the violins and the piano. It's just very reminiscent of a lot of the themes that ran through this movie with the score, which was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, it's a, it's a great score. And as I've told you before, I've never actually watched Dexter, but I, I'm going to have to check out that score. And yeah, I, I, yeah. I like you bringing it up as a puzzle piece because, like, yeah, I mean, that that's kind of the main thing here is that Batman uh, is not in a very good mental state in this. And, you right. know, he's kind of not too far off from being, uh, you know, a psycho kind of in a way, the, the way that Dexter would be and working in that field, even though he's, you know, a killer. And yeah. so, like, like there is, I, I could totally see just from my limited knowledge of the show, like that there would be like a lot of connection there. That makes uh, high, high functioning psychopaths, because yes. I mean that's the thing is that this Batman is he's definitely a psychopath, and I think that's what he is learning through this movie is that I'm. I've been a little too much. Maybe I need yeah, to I'm not okay. Michael Myers a little. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Got to got to put him a little in the back pocket and uh, become a little more well rounded. Yeah. So, all right. Well, uh, what do you have for your next one? Oh yeah. So I was going to say that, uh, but Dexter. That was one of the ones that uh, that came to mind when I saw the new Scream. Uh, okay. Because the way how uh, Billy is is there in the background and and. Uh, basically speaks to her and then at the end she kind of gives in to i i I very just felt it was a very dexter because see what dexter dexter has a dark passenger is what he calls it um Mm. and he was he was he was taught a code um growing up from his father who was a cop who basically said that hey if if you're going to kill people you're going to kill bad people and you're going to just make sure 
that you do it the right way. But um, mm. and so throughout the career of him as an investigator, his father is always there with him and is always talking to him and speaking uh, through things with him. Uh, even okay. it's not his, it's his imagination, basically. Um, his, his, his father passed away. And so he still, though, talks to him. Uh, so Scream was one that uh, Dexter came to mind. So I just think it's neat, though, that Dexter kind of seems like that it's really getting, you know, and then it had its revival season. So it's really, you know, getting into uh, influences and stuff, it seems like at this point. Yeah, I mean, serial killer stuff is maybe more popular now than ever with all the true crime right. stuff. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah. it makes sense that Dexter would yeah. be like kind of having his moment right now. Yeah. All right, well, what do you got next? So, sorry to, to go off on that, but um, Unbreakable was the next one I was going to say. Oh, okay. M. Night movie. Got to bring in M. Night, okay? Mm -hmm. um, I already know that somebody already mentioned Zack Snyder, so I won't go there. But um, <laughs> Unbreakable. So you know, Unbreakable. You know, um, when you think about it, Unbreakable was the uh, the godfather of realistic comic book movies. I mean, you know, you can say uh, Nolan or, or Snyder or whoever that this one was kind of an influence of, but those were all after unbreakable and unbreakable yeah. you've got basically two sides of the coin you you've got two opposites and you know you got mr glass and he's the, he's the villain and his whole purpose was to 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 find the the hero to his villain you know yeah yeah and so here you've you've got opposites although they're a lot closer than bruce thinks they are and sure. on the other hand, they're not as close as the Riddler thinks they are. So, right. Yeah. And just the, also the the way that this one's in is, is 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 gritty and sort of realistic, and you know, and unbreakable. You know, his 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 superhero outfit is just like a you know a rain jacket, and you kind of got that. Uh, do-it-yourself type of vibe with the Riddler and his yeah. uh, villain outfit. They're so. coming into their, their selves that they would eventually be in the, you know, the over-the-top comic book world that they eventually would get to. Right. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I like that. I like that. Uh, you know, of course, I love Unbreakable, right. and we've talked about that on the show before. But, but yeah, just the uh, ultra-groundedness of it. And, I mean, certainly this movie gets, you know, big and over-the-top at yeah. times. But yeah. definitely the setup is you know, what if these people were as real as can be, you know, what, what if, right. what if Gotham city was a real place? What if, what if all right. these, uh, all these people were just actual broken people who, uh, turn into superheroes and supervillains. But, right. uh, yeah, no, no, great piece. Great one there. Yeah. Well, I got a whole bunch more. I mean, I could go into, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you do. Do you, do you, do you have one, one more that you like really want to throw in there? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, you know, I, I, I'm gonna go with because one of my favorite things of this movie is the Batmobile and that mm -hmm. chase scene. So, I, I, with, with that, uh, I, and this will be uh, several pieces in here, but uh, that you're gonna appreciate the first one I bring up. Uh, one of my favorite Nicolas Cage movies, Drive Angry. Uh, <laughs> in fact, uh, if I'm not mistaken, that car. Uh, that they based the Batmobile off of is, is a lot like one of the cars in Drive Angry, but okay. just you know the 
the the and again that's that's like one of those of course that's a really silly over the top movie but it's very horror influence um and uh you've you've not only that though you've got this uh badass muscle car that's got lots of other things crashing around it explosions even you've also got like this uh sidekick woman who kind of serves as the the cat woman in that story um mm. and also that's uh, a very uh you know it's a personal without it being specifically tied to the main character uh it still is about their family uh you know in in, in Batman how it goes back to the cover up and all of that, but you know, it's his, uh, his daughter and his, you know, his grandbaby and, uh, uh, drive angry. Um, mm. but just, you know, just something about the car instantly made me think of that movie. Of course, it made me think of Mad Max and it made me think of Condor Man. <laughs> especially the the, when he he goes up and he like does the jump because in condor man um that's that's one of the things that i I remember so vividly about that movie is him uh jumping over the the other cars with like this ramp that just kind of magically pops out of nowhere just happens to show up you know it it does uh yeah (laughs) but but also with condor man is that condor man was you know kind of experimenting and, and and learning how to do things like fly and whatnot and he would crash and things like that and you saw that with bruce wayne in this one which i thought was really cool that we saw this really stupid to me it was really stupid looking squirrel outfit that he flies with and then he actually crashes i mean mm-hmm. you've never seen that in a batman movie before so i really really appreciated that and yeah. so uh not only the the stuff with the car but then that element uh reminded me of condor man <laughs> all right yeah. uh, you know as long as we're talking about the batmobile nobody brought this up but i know matt reeve said that christine uh inspired <laughs> the batmobile did you did you get that at all out of that no I, I i get what he was saying um because you know again this this bruce wayne wants batman to be a presence of fear and so he sure wants everything to to just instantly bring fear to people so that is a badass car um, yeah. so, I mean, it, it definitely has that side of it. And, and yeah, that, that's what it was with Christine. I mean, you know, he, he said some other things like how, um, uh, this Bruce Wayne was, uh, inspired by Kurt Cobain. Now, yeah. uh, this, this is one of my silly pieces I have down here. Mm. I don't think this Bruce Wayne, this Batman is not Kurt Cobain. You know who this is? Mm. Peter Pan haircut. Very, very pale. He dresses up. It, okay, first off, he he's alone in his mansion, tinkering away, and mm-hmm. then he dresses up, drops this like you know fantastic show on people, uh, makes a huge display. Who is this? This is Michael Jackson. This Batman is Michael Jackson. Come this on, is the now. Michael Jackson, Bruce Wayne, Batman. <laughs> I wow. Okay, but think about it. Batman and and Michael Jackson are pretty close if you think about it, because. You know they have unlimited money gazillionaires and yep. they had the the childhood trauma and mm-hmm. the uh interest in helping children i mean not exactly on, good no. with women yeah i mean yeah <laughs> if 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 michael jackson was around i i just believe he would have endorsed this movie 
this is this is uh, uh, this is Batman for Michael Jackson. It's not Kurt Cobain. So. I love it. I love it. <laughs> All right, I think that's a good uh, piece to to end it on, Michael Jackson. <laughs> but uh, Chad, I've been asking everybody else who's been on the show, and so I got to ask you too. Uh, this is such a character based movie with such these, these just big, well drawn characters. I think. Do you have a favorite character in the Batman? See, that's actually tough because I I will say this. Uh, this was my favorite Commissioner Gordon mm. that I've ever seen in, in any of the Batman movies. But I don't know that he was my favorite character. But it's definitely my favorite that I've seen. Um, I did love this Riddler. But, I mean, I, I, I got to go with Batman. I mean, even though this wasn't my favorite Batman ever, I still would say, you know, Batman's my favorite character. But, you know, okay. Batmobile stole the show. And I did love Catwoman. So, yeah. I, too much, too much to like. All, all of them. They're all so yeah. great. Yeah. And I mean, for me personally, it's the Penguin. So, I mean, there's there's just so many great characters in this. And, uh, yeah, no, uh, all all great. This um, Catwoman, though, I'm going to say there were some hints of uh, Holly Berry's Catwoman. So, I mean, sure. I, which I, I thought was cool. Yeah. Because that no, was a absolutely. movie I hadn't seen until not too long ago, just like last year I watched it. And it's actually a, a pretty fun movie. Kind of little bits and pieces of like every Catwoman, like kind of all rolled into one. Right, like like you, right. you really see the influence. Like I, I think yeah. she like studied up on all of them and all the little yeah. little eccentricities of each Catwoman, you know. So yeah, no, that, that's really cool. Oh, I, I, I was going to say, we don't have to get into this, but I was going to say I'm surprised nobody said Blade Runner. And uh, I can see that when I was thinking it was Max Payne. Mm. But okay, look at you getting in all these extra puzzle pieces <laughs> at the end. Damn it, Chad! You you always do it. You always <laughs> manage to do it. <laughs> well, Chad, uh, as always, it, it's great having you on, and I uh, look forward to whatever the next thing we cover is. All right. Yep, I am ready whenever. Hey there, classmates. Tune in to Middle Class Film Class every Monday and Wednesday for weekly movie news, streaming picks, and one deep dive review. The Batman trailer. There was a teaser. There was a trailer. Trailer one, trailer two. Final trailer? I don't know if it's the same one. How many trailers do we need exactly? Leave an email or a voicemail to join in the discussion. Bullshit artist! Oh, <laughs> yeah, buddy. All right. Awesome. You're going full Danzig. Right, I am. My, my trans yeah, has no power, power over me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I hope you enjoyed all of those conversations about the Batman. Thank you to all of my great guests, and thank you to all of you for listening. Uh, if you enjoy what we do here on Piecing It Together, you know, the number one thing to do is go rate and review us wherever it is you're listening to podcasts, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Good Pods, on Podchaser, anywhere you can leave a five-star review, we would really appreciate it. And, you know, type in a few words there about what you think about the show. That uh, really, really helps to make sure that more people get to hear the show and that we get out in front of all kinds of new listeners and get more new guests onto the show because uh, I always love getting new guests on here. So definitely do that and make sure you're subscribed while you're at it. You could also follow us over on social media at PiecingPod. Join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces, that I told you about at the top of the show. And if you really love what we do here, you could also check out our Produced by David Rosen Patreon, which combines content from Piecing It Together, from Awesome Movie Year, which is another movie podcast that I produce, and from my music career. 
Uh, actually, later today, I'll be posting our episode on Turning Red over on the Patreon, which will come out next week over on the main feed of Piecing It Together, but you could check it out early. You could also check out our episode on Uncharted, which is already up there, which will eventually hit the main feed whenever that movie comes home to VOD. So uh, lots of great content, as well as, like I said, stuff from Awesome Movie Year and my music career. So uh, check it out. It's patreon.com slash Rosen. And as always, you don't have to subscribe, but you could also just share the show. And that is the number one most awesome, bestest thing in the world that you can do if you want to continue supporting us as we go into our fifth year of creating a podcast. So... Let's close this thing out with a piece of music like I always do. And this is a, uh, I keep saying it, such a big movie. Um, I might as well use this opportunity to give you guys a preview of uh, some of the music I've been working on. How about that? This is a good place to do that. I just got to pick a song. And I think I'm going to go with this one called Vibrant Colors. It feels very... Uh, Something that would be in the shadows, something dark and uh, secretive and, and mysterious and uh, got a little bit of that noir influence and a lot of the stuff that's going on in the Batman, so I thought this would be a good one. So let's close it out with Vibrant Colors. Again, this is something that's in the works for my next album, so it's not 100% finished yet, this song, but... Uh, you know, uh, you're getting a nice little preview, and I will be continuing to work on this song in the coming months as I continue work on two new albums that I'm working on at the same time. Where do you find the time for all this, Dave? I have no idea, but uh, I will find the time somewhere. So this is Vibrant Colors. Again, not 100% finished, so don't judge it too harshly. Uh, we'll be back with more Piecing It Together real soon.
an All Points West production, produced by David Rosen in Las Vegas.